Hello, dear parents. Welcome to my podcast. I am Pamela Query, and this is How to Parent Peacefully. It is great to be back with season three of the podcast. And today I'm talking about after school restraint collapse. Uh, You may not have heard of this term, but it has become really popular over the last few years. But if you haven't, it simply refers to this phenomenon of kids holding it together all day when they're at school. And then when they get home, when they get back into your company in the afternoon or the evening, they fall apart and their behavior really falls apart. And that's really difficult for parents to deal with. So today I'm going to talk about what exactly is going on with after school restraint collapse, why it's on the increase, what's going on on an emotional level. And from that, from looking at the what's happening at an emotional level, how we can actually deal with it. So it's not about dealing with the behaviors, it's about understanding the emotions underneath and how can we actually deal with it by addressing those emotions. And we'll be doing that by you know zooming out, first of all, and having a look at the big picture, the big societal, reasons why this is happening and what we can do and also what you can do at the individual you know that parent child level in the moment things that you can actually do in the moment to support your child with this uh, issue if they if this is something that they're struggling with the very fact that we have a name for this phenomenon means that it is something that many parents are observing and many parents are struggling to deal with And I think by, you know, some people like names, some people don't like naming things like this, but I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful to um, highlight it and to have us by having a specific name for it. And then parents can recognize it and go, yeah, actually, I'm not alone. So I think having a name for it actually makes parents feel less alone with this issue. But if you don't like the name, that's fine as well. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I have a lot of personal experience with this one. My daughter really hated school from day one. She wasn't struggling academically, but she was really struggling with the school environment. It was not child friendly for her. It was not friendly for her. She found it very stimulating, very stressful. And I have heard similar stories from so many parents. And the typical picture looks like this. So a child might be Um, they might be resistant to going to school. So there might be a lot of struggles in the morning, which was certainly the case for me. And the teacher would report, um, you know, the teacher will report that children might appear really happy and they are well behaved in school. Often they're the model pupil and they come out chatting to their friends, apparently carefree. But then the thing is that what parents so often experience is that this carefree chatty child it can it can really change it can really switch very quickly shortly after you leave the school gates once your once your child gets you on their on on your own uh, then things can really change and many parents tell me uh, you know they say I know my child really likes school because they're always happy coming out so I can't understand why they get so cross you know once they get it in the car or once I get them home so maybe they are, you know, kicking the back seat of the car and shouting at you for bringing the wrong snack. Everything melts down, the, you know, or perhaps they start fighting with a sibling on the walk home. 
or perhaps it's not until you get home and for the rest of the afternoon it's nothing but whining and complaining and taking things out on you you can do nothing right um there could be these temper tantrums there could be a lot of frustration and resistance around homework and the whole rest of the day can get carried away in in this uh, these bad tempers and tantrums and upsets so let's look at what's going on so let's just have a look at the school from the school day from really from a child's perspective and i think it's important to keep in mind the temperament and sensitivity of your child you know if your child goes into school and they enjoy it and it's not a problem and you know they come out the other end and they might be a bit tired but they are, are content enough once they've had a rest and a snack and everything and that's great but so many children that's not the case and um, so i think and, and it is a lot of it does come down to the temperament and the sensitivity of your child um, because many kids who struggle with the school system are quite sensitive they or they might be prone to sensory overload or they might be quite empathic where they really notice and they absorb everything going on around them throughout the day um, and they might really struggle uh, being without a safe adult for long stretches because you know children and the younger they are the more they need this like children need a safe adult to help them co-regulate their emotions so something happens in the schoolyard and they feel a little bit oh my goodness I feel a little bit out of control my nervous system is going up into flight or fight I've got the adrenaline going I'm a bit worried for my safety uh, you know a child picked on another child and are they going to pick on me next um, and often what kids need in that moment is their safe adult. So probably you, their primary caregiver. Um, and, you know, if you were there, they would come rushing over to you. You imagine if it was in the park or in another social setting, they would come running over to you. They would check in with you. You would reassure them. You'd give them a hug. You would sort out any issues that were happening or needed sorting out. And then you would help them by doing that. You're coming in with your calm nervous system. You're sending off these signals of safety. You know, I've got your back. You're not in any danger. All is well. That's what you're transmitting to your child in those moments. And then, you know, they're able to uh, th that, that sends a really strong signal to their nervous system that you're safe. There's no need to worry. That will bring their nervous system back into balance. High alert gets switched off. All is well. All is safe. And they can run off and play again. But in a schoolyard or school classroom situation, um, and you know, a, a, um, a teacher can't provide that a level of emotional safety for all the kids. So, um, and some kids need this more than others. Some kids at quite a young age, they're able to self-regulate quite well throughout the day. Uh, this ability to self-regulate, it develops at different rates in different kids. So for some kids that can be a real struggle and they need that regular check-in with their safe adult and when that safe adult isn't there it's like their little system is just going into this high alert and it's like they've drifted off and and they um they feel very uh, at a loose end you know they they feel untethered and they don't have that emotional anchor that a lot of kids need and just to say it's really normal for kids to need this kind of um emotional input and emotional support and emotional anchoring in their day-to-day -day lives so a child comes into school 
let's let's think about what they are observing and noticing and encountering when they're in school. First of all, they might be uncomfortable in their uniform. I, I know so many kids, you know, getting the socks on and the seam of the socks and the uniform is scratchy and uncomfortable. And I think that very few children would choose to wear their uniform outside of school. Now, some schools are um, more relaxed and have a quite a comfortable school uniform. For some schools, and I know my daughter, um, she had to wear the school tights and they were itchy. I remember them. My, I remember school tights myself when I was a child. They were so itchy and uncomfortable, especially when you went from the cold in the wintertime into the like overheated classrooms and your legs would start itching and the tights would be falling down and really uncomfortable. Often school shoes are often rigid and not that comfortable as well. And then also with uniforms, I think it's um, this lack of choice, the lack of a child being able to be themselves and to be comfortable in the clothes that they're comfortable in. Um, and, th and this is lack of choice of like everybody looking the same, um, that, you know, you are not an individual child anymore. You're one of this crowd. Now, that's not always a bad thing. It's good for kids to feel like they're part of something. But um, for kids that really crave choice and autonomy, this can be quite restrictive for them. Uh, and really in the school environment, it, like so much choice is taken away. So kids don't have mostly, and, and some schools are great on things like this, but the vast majority of schools here in Northern Ireland, where I am living in the rest of the UK, Ireland, um, and wider afield, um, most kids, they don't have a lot of choice. They don't have choice where they sit in the classroom. They don't have choices to when they eat or drink or go to the bathroom sometimes even. Uh, they may have to sit on the floor for ex extended periods of time. I know my daughter often had to sit on the floor in assembly and it would all be running late and they had to sit crisscross. And if they weren't sitting crisscross, the teacher would come and tell them to sit criss crisscross. And that was really uncomfortable for my daughter. They aren't allowed to move around or leave the room when they want to. You know, many kids get overstimulated and they need to come away from the noise and need a little bit of quiet time. And they aren't able to do that. Also, there's a lot of rules children are expected to spend a huge portion of the day seated and paying attention and learning things that they didn't have any say in and might not necessarily be interested in. I remember myself at school, I picked things up pretty quickly and I remember just sitting there being bored a lot of the time going, you know, the teacher was supporting other kids who were learning at a different pace and I was just sitting there going, oh, can we not move on to the next thing? And I remember just spending a lot of time being very, very bored and just like staring at the wall and counting the bricks on the wall and waiting for the whole thing to move on. And, you know, especially for kids that crave this autonomy and often if you have a strong willed child, there's this, there's this, I think a lot of the strong willedness is driven by this real desire for autonomy. This real need is more than a desire, it's this real need for autonomy. And that can be really, really restrictive. So I think our strong willed kids can, can um, really struggle in the school environment and also kids that are very sensitive and, um, or, or are very, you know, um, have a lot of sensory issues and can get overstimulated quite easily. And then there's the whole social interaction with other kids. And, you know, in fact, it's very unnatural for kids when we think about it to be separated by age into these age groups because kids interact best when they are in a mixed age group. I and mean, that's how we would have evolved in these mixed age groups. We've got little babies all the way up to teenagers and adults. 
um, and all the little ones in between. And the older ones, they model and they you know, show children, the younger ones, how what is acceptable, how they should be behaving. Um, and the younger kids look up to them and learn from the older kids. But when you've got a group of like 38 year olds all together, it's a little bit of a disaster. They're all at this, the kind of same developmental stage. So there's often conflict. There's pressure to comply. There might be bullying happening around any differences. And often there is no recourse. There's no safe adult that a child can re rely upon to be an ally and to be an emotional support. I've heard stories of kids in school where uh, they've excluded a child because the child has been picking on other kids or causing conflict or annoying everybody. And then your teachers come in saying you're not allowed to exclude anyone and forcing the kids to interact with a child. And, you know, we don't want children to be excluded either, but sometimes we just need more adult input, more safe adults. Um, and this can work as well in the mixed age groups when, you know, the older kids can kind of um, balance out the and support the younger kids that might be struggling socially. So this is really hard for kids when they're it's like they're left to their own devices um, and they don't have the community support to interact in healthy ways. For a child, it's like each time they experience one of these stressors and th there'll be different ones for each child. There are different things that will affect um, children differently. Um, so I think it's quite good to think of each of these stressors is like um, it's like a bottle of Coke and it's been shaken up each time. And so because a child has no emotional support or very little emotional support in school from their safe adult, then there is no one to help them come back into regulation. So there's there's no way for that fizz to settle down. Uh, so a child, you know, thinks or develops strategies to push that fizz down and hold it all together all day. But that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. And um, I mean, one thing as well that's really important to mention is that whenever children are expending a lot of energy on holding it all together and when they are being stressed, so they're going into fight or flight mode, into survival mode, those are not con good conditions for a child to learn and to thrive. A child learns best when their mind is relaxed and they are feeling safe and they're feeling comfortable. So it's not a, it's not setting up a great learning environment. And so children hold it all together all day because they don't feel emotionally safe to show how they're really feeling. And then when they see their safe person at the end of the day, they stop trying. They are exhausted by putting on a brave face all day long. And it's like this bottle of Coke that's been shaken up all day. You know, uh, it's been shaken up every time something difficult's happened, like not knowing who to play with in the playground, needing to go to the toilet, but being too scared to ask being terrified of being asked to recite a times table. This is something that I used to be terrified of in school in front of the whole class and being terrified that I wouldn't know the answer or being moved away from your best friend and being forced to sit beside someone who's constantly annoying you and you can't get away from. So all these little micro stressors, they all add up. And, you know, at home time, the bottle of the lid is screwed off and all the pressure that is built up, all that fizz and bubbles that is built up gets released. And that's when you see these behaviors that uh, that are so challenging for parents. So what can you do about it? Let's talk about that. So first of all, I think we have to ask the question, why are schools so stressful for kids? It's not okay. 
um, why have we created these institutions that so many kids are afraid of or outrightly hate going to, to the extent that it takes them hours afterwards to recover. And I think it's become so normalized to treat children in this way. Um, and the thing is, this is so important to me that when a child is in a healthy environment, they will thrive. It's this analogy about the plant and the plant is not doing well. And when the, you know, if a, if a pot plant is drooping and the leaves are turning yellow, then we never blame the plant. We never say, you know, th this is something that you were doing wrong. We look at the plant and we, does it have enough water? Does it have enough light? And um, what do we need to change in the environment to help this plant thrive? So it's exactly the same for our children. When they're in a healthy environment, they will thrive. So I really believe that we need more child-friendly schools. And this needs to be taken seriously by schools. And there's so much school refusal now um, that this is something that we really need to look at. And this isn't about criticizing individual schools or teachers. It, the problem is much bigger than this. It is very much a societal problem. And I know many schools are doing their best within the system. Many teachers are, are, are excellent teachers and they're doing their very best to meet the needs of their, of their pupils and they're very aware of these issues. So, but you know, this is really a, very much a societal problem. It's the system that we have created and the system that many schools are forced to work within. Um, you know, I know so many teachers are doing their best, but with one adult and 30 kids, you need behavioral management systems uh, so you can keep control of the class. You can't meet each child's individual needs. It's not set up that way. So I believe if parents can start speaking up about how uncomfortable their child is and the impact it's having, it will start to put pressure on the system to change. And you know, this can be this can be a really difficult thing to do to advocate for your child and to speak up about these things. Um, and you know, that's fine if, if you're not the person that is able to uh, we all carry our own school trauma as well of not being listened to, not being able to speak up in school. So it can be actually be really hard to go and approach schools with these issues. Um, but you can start by advocating for your child in small ways and communicating with the school like what is hard for them and what is not working for them in the school system. And the thing is that the more upstream we can go, so we can work at the child level and do things to support them. But if the stress is pouring in every day, it's like we're fighting against this current, fighting against the stress coming in and trying to work with our children to help them to recover from the stress. Um, so it makes just so much more sense to me to go to the source of where the stress is. And if you can remove the stress from your child's life, then everything is going to be more easy. And I know this is really difficult. I know that for many parents, there is no other option other than to send their child to the school that they're going to. But I think the more parents start to raise this as an issue and the more parents start to advocate for their children around this, then uh, the more things will begin to change. And I just want to highlight that because I just, I think it's so important to be aware that this is a bigger problem than just you and your child. This is very much a systemic societal problem. But let's talk next about what you can actually do at the individual level to support your child. And I think the first thing that you can do is with all of this understanding of what is difficult for them, the first thing is to really take your child and their feelings seriously. So not to gaslight your child, not to talk them out of how they're feeling and not to say things like, oh, but I saw you smiling. 
to school. I know you enjoy it. And what about your friends? You enjoy seeing your friends or whatever it might be. I think it's really important whenever a child is struggling to, you know, to, to listen to them and to validate what they're saying and to acknowledge their concerns. And sometimes parents can be really afraid to do that because they think if I acknowledge this then my child's going to refuse to go to school. But sometimes it's actually enough for your child to be heard and to know that they're understood and to know that you believe them and that you are on their side. And then it can open up all sorts of interesting discussions around, you know, what where school came from, why it was developed. It was developed in the industrial age and um, how school was back then, how things have changed, how things certain things have stayed the same. And you can help your child understand why school is the way it is. Um, and this can be really helpful for them. And, and you can still come in with, you know, if if it's, if it's your child really does have to go to school, there's nothing you can do about that. You can explain that and talk to them about it. And But at the same time, really acknowledging that this is hard for them and you get it and you're on their side and you're giving them this message that they can come to you and talk to you about these issues. And it also means that they will feel safe to come to you with other things that are going on for them if you if you hear them, if you don't try and minimize what they're telling you, if you don't try to, uh, if you, and often it comes from a really good place. We're trying to reassure our kids. We're trying to make things okay. We're trying to smooth things over. But sometimes kids can interpret that as you not taking it seriously, you minimizing or not believing what they're feeling. So if you can just sit and, and in the listening and just take in what they're saying and just believe them, acknowledge them, then that can go a long way. And then from that, whenever you actually switch into listening and really getting curious about what's going on for them and what is difficult for them in the, in the school environment, then perhaps you can come up with some ideas of specific things you can do to support them. I remember, you know, my daughter was seated right under the bell in the classroom. And when it went off to signal break time and lunchtime, it would really startle her and she would really jump. And she told me, she would tell me about how distressing that was, how upsetting it was for her. And I mean, I don't know. I think that's one thing is like, why do we even have bells in school? I'm sure we could manage without them. And I know some schools have actually taken bells away because they have seen that they can have, you know, they can be um, quite overstimulating for kids. Uh, but you know, maybe you could go in for something like that. You could go in and talk to the teacher, uh, as I did, and ask them to move your child away from the bell. And even just highlighting, because you know, teachers mightn't necessarily realise that this is an issue. Um, and perhaps if enough parents talk about these things, then perhaps things will change. So maybe even just advocating in small ways like that. Um, or maybe if your child is, it might come out that your child is afraid to ask to go to the toilet. You could have a chat to the teacher about that um, and see how they can make it make this the class environment feel safer for a child to ask to go to the toilet. Um, or if it's sitting on the floor for extended periods, you could approach that, talk to them about that, see if you can figure something out. And even if you can't figure everything out, that's sending a really strong message message to your child that you're taking them seriously. You're trying to do something about it. Um, and also you might start to build this sort of more child-centered understanding with the teacher. Hopefully they'll be receptive to it. The school chain, if they can say, look, parents are coming to me and mm -hmm. saying this to me, then, you know, so if, if they can come in and say to their, to their, and of course, some teachers are doing this already. Uh, teachers 
many teachers realize how important safety is for children. Children need to feel safe and comfortable in order to learn well. And of course, we need more teachers on board with this. So I think that the more parents can feed back to teachers what is going on for them, what's going on for their children and the effect that the school environment has on their children, then that's going to help. Um, that's going to help teachers. You know, teachers can feed that back. The ones that get it, they can feed it back into the school system. And that actually gives them ammunition to, you know, parents are telling me this, we need to make some changes. So that's giving them evidence that they can use to bring about change in the school. And then maybe the parents that, sorry, the teachers that aren't on board, then, you know, if they're hearing this from more and more parents, then they will start to, um, they will start. And then the teachers who maybe aren't on board with this yet, if they're hearing from parents, the impact that the school environment is having on their children, then maybe they will start to think about it. And maybe they will start to realize that, um, that perhaps they can create a safer environment and a more pleasant environment for the children that they are working with. If you can do everything you can to make a child's day less stressful, everything within your power, then the thing is that you have less fizz to deal with. It is so much easier preventing the stress, preventing the bottle from being shaken up rather than dealing with the fallout from it. So I think that's really important to remember. If we can go to the source, turn off the cause of stress in a child's life, rather than trying to manage the stress and help them recover from the stress, then that is a much better situation, much more effective situation to be in. I know that's not always possible, so I'm going to talk now about how we can deal with that emotional fallout. Um, the stress is going in, we, we're trying to limit it as much as we can, but what else can we do uh, to help our children recover from the stress so they don't have to fall apart so much? And I think that the, um, the second point I'd like to make on this is around self-love and taking care as parents, taking care of ourselves, taking care of those big feelings that come up because I know from personal experience how incredibly difficult it is when a child is falling apart after school day after day after day it is so frustrating you can feel as a parent you can feel oh the the frustration of that the anger that comes up and um, there can be a lot of resentment you know why are you making my day so difficult uh, you can take on board the responsibility of it. You can feel a lot of shame, like, I can't manage this. Why is my child behaving like this? I just want everybody to get on. And this is not how I pictured parenting to be. It can be extremely difficult. And then on top of that comes in all this self-judgment, all the self-criticism. And, you know, we can just get, we can just then get stuck. We can get dragged into this self-criticism, this spiral of shame and guilt and, and self-criticism. Um, so I think that whenever we notice that, it can be really helpful to bring in a really simple practice to pull you out of that. And that practice is, is just whenever you notice the critical voice coming in or the judgments or whatever it is, if you can just pause for a little minute and you can do it later that evening when the kids are in bed or you can take a moment and just think to yourself, you know, what if, if one of my good friends came to me and described this issue that I'm having with my kids after school? If they describe that to me, what would I say to them? What would I say to a dear friend who's in that same situation? And probably it would sound something like, oh my goodness, that sounds so tough for you. I can see how hard you're working to figure this out. I'm so sorry you have to deal with that. And um, that, that you are working so hard. I see how hard you're working. I see how much you love your kids. None of this is your fault. 
you're doing everything you possibly can. This is not your fault. So then if you can think, so it'd be that kind of thing. So if you can actually write it down and you can write yourself a little letter or you can even do it as a little voice note on your phone and listen back to it or read the letter back and offer yourself that same understanding and compassion and love that you would offer to a dear friend. And that can really pull you out of that shame cycle. And then you can start to see your child in a different light, see yourself in a different light as well, whenever you are, uh, whenever you're offering yourself a lot of self-love. So I think that can really help the situation. And it's one thing that you can do. So the third thing is more, uh, let's go back to um, the child that is in front of you. So the child that is struggling after school with grumpiness or tantrums or whatever it is, I think the first thing is, and I mean, this is the obvious one, but it's important whenever you get home or as soon as possible after school that you try and meet all your child's immediate physical needs. They might be really tired. They might, might need food. They mightn't have eaten much all day at school. They might need, they might be thirsty. They might need a drink. You might want to get them changed out of their uncomfortable clothes into, into something that they feel more comfortable in. So that's the first thing is, is really trying to meet all of their physical needs first. And then the next thing is to move on to meeting their emotional needs. But it's really important. It's hard to meet children's emotional needs when they're just exhausted and they maybe just need to zone out for a little bit. And maybe you can bring in the connection there too. Maybe you can sit with them and watch something on the TV with them just to allow them to zone out and chill out a bit. Or maybe you cuddle up and read a book together. That can work really well. Um, so they're getting their need met for rest and you're also, you, they're not resting on their own. You are there with them. Um, they need your calm nervous system. They need the, you know, to feel the love that you have. They need to reconnect with them. So, um, so as much as possible, figure out their physical needs and try and meet those. But often th th often that's where parents run out of ideas. We need to um, really try and meet children's emotional needs as well. Um, and this really comes down to the, the co-regulation that children that come out of school, they can be very dysregulated. So we want to bring their nervous systems back into balance, back into co-regulation again. So, and that's why it's so important to take care of our own needs because we need to be in a nice, calm nervous system state in order to bring our children back on board and get them back into co-regulation. So the more you can do uh, before your child comes home from school uh, and at other times of the day and other times of the week to take care of yourself. That is so important. The more you can, it is never selfish to take care of yourself. The more you can take care of yourself, the, the more you can take care of your nervous system, then the more you can help your child to regulate after school. And sometimes this is really hard. Sometimes you just get triggered straight away. So, um, and then you jump into judgment of, you know, oh my goodness, this is all my fault. I'm meant to be well-regulated and I'm not, I'm all over the place. And listen, this is when you go back into the self-love part of offering yourself some compassion. Um, you're working really hard. This is hard. You're in close emotional relationship with your child. You get triggered. We all get triggered, um, especially with this situation if it's been going on and on again. So you might need to go back into this cycle of, of um, offering yourself self-love. And when you do that, then you're more able to bring your nervous system back into balance. You're more able to think about taking care of your own needs. So just really noticing where you are with all of this, the, um, that is going to really, really help. 
um, and working away at taking care of your own needs so you can come to your child with, a, you know, as much as you can, a balanced nervous system. You could possibly do things together as well. If you're feeling quite triggered and quite activated and quite stressed out after the school run, maybe you can do something together. Maybe you can, like a really lovely one to balance both of your nervous systems is to go to the park go, or go into nature somewhere and to really notice, notice the trees. Trees are very calming um, to, you know, get to the park, walk amongst the trees, hug a tree or lean with your back against a tree can be really nice. Um, and do that with your child. And that can help both of you. Maybe if it's if if you are at home and you can't do that, maybe um, dancing out your feelings um, for both of you. You can dance together. You can le let it all out and stomp your feet and shake your body. And that can really help both of you get your nervous system back into balance. Um, or you could both lie on the floor you know, some children, the, their temperament, they wouldn't be into this. But I know lots of kids that, you know, you could put on some nice soothing music and you could both lie down on the floor and feel the ground beneath you and um, just really um, be there connecting with your child, but also taking care of yourself, taking care of your own nervous system. And the more that comes into balance, then the more your child's nervous system is going to come back into balance as well. So that's the big thing um, around meeting your child's emotional needs is really reconnecting with them. Um, and the best way to reconnect with a child is by uh, taking care of your own nervous system. Another great way to um, reconnect with your child is through play. And I think this is like a, a, a massive shortcut to connection is speaking children's language and as I'm always saying, children's language is play. So you could do something like a game of chase, um, a piggyback ride where they get to steer you. My my kids used to love this. Um, they're both a bit heavy now for piggybacks, but I get um, I would give one of them a piggyback and they could steer me. We would do this at the park. Like they would steer me. They would pull one ear and I would go one way and they'd pull another ear and I'd go another way and they would tap my head and I would go faster and I absolutely love that there's something about the physical contact of them being on your back and jiggling up and down and also them taking back that bit of control because someone else has been in control all day at school and whenever you give them the control is in their hands they get to control me in a fun you know a light-hearted way so they are steering me around the park now and there's always lots of giggles and lots of laughter and just the physicality of it as well is so helpful. Um, a game of hide and seek is great for that as well. Um, and any of these power reversal games where your child gets to be the more powerful one. So if you're playing hide and seek or a game of chase, you aren't able to catch them. They keep just getting away and you're really frustrated that they're getting away from you every time. So um, games like that, like flipping, Flipping the script, allowing them to be in control can be really, really helpful. Uh, another game my kids really loved coming back from school was we called it like rocket launchers. And I would they would stand up on the sofa and then I would pick them up. I wrap my arms around them from behind and we would lock the seatbelt in and we would prepare for lunch. And then I would um, do a countdown and the three, two, one blast off and I would um, pick them up and then spin them around a couple of times and then throw them onto the sofa and I think these I mean, we would take it in turns then so I was like connecting with both of them so I think these really physical um these physical games they really really help to reconnect and like you know it's impossible to do that 
type of game without laughing. So your child is laughing and that's helping them to release tension. It's helping them to feel close to you. So if you can have a few like tried and tested games that they, you know, really, and the more physical, because also they're using their brain and using their, their language and all of that in school quite a lot. So, um, the type of games that work best are ones that don't involve any language or anything like that. The real physical, physical games. And I'm sure you have favorites in your own family as well. Even just a good old family wrestle, uh, they, or, you know, they, they, where you have some cushions or mattresses on the floor and your child is, you get your child to climb up onto your back and you try and get them off, or you're just trying to push them off the cushions and they're trying to push you off and you're throwing the cushions at each other. All those kind of things are really, really helpful. Now, the thing is that it's important and where parents feel like they're going wrong is that whenever you bring in this, like you bring back your connection, then often, you know, this is when kids give up holding it all in and often big feelings can start to spill out. And that's where parents feel like, oh my goodness, I can't, you know, I, if, if I play with my kids and they get really upset or somebody gets hurt and there's a big explosion, oh, oh God, it's better to avoid that, better to avoid the upset. But in fact, it shows that the, the reconnection is working, that they feel safe again, they feel connected again. And those big feelings that they've been storing up all day need to come out. So it's absolutely okay for you to, um, have, be having a game of chase and then one especially if there's siblings like one child um decides it's not fair and gets upset over something really small that's really normal that's just their way of uh, letting it all out and so I always think it's good to expect the upset anticipate it know it's coming and then when it happens just to listen you reassure your child getting close bring in all your warmth the number one thing is connection in this moment. Um, you're not going after the feelings, but if they arise, you're going to just listen to them and be as present as you can with them and know that that is them expressing themselves. That's them telling you about their day. And um, the more they do that, the more they clear out, then the the sooner they're going to get back to themselves. And often that's where, that's why these um uh, the grumpiness or the whining or the complaining lasts all day because these the, the fizz is still caught inside and children need a really solid sense of connection sometimes to let those feelings out, let the fizz out. And then whenever they let the fizz out, they don't have to be whinging or complaining or grumbling for the rest of the afternoon. They can get back to feeling themselves again. And, and another great way to, to reconnect and a great way for children to process the big feelings that come up during school is through special time. And that's one-to-one play time. You can do 10 minutes, 15 minutes uh, after school. And that can really give a chance for a child to show you through play what is going on for them. When you create this safe space, you set a timer, they are in charge. You get to, they get to do whatever they want as long as it's safe. And I remember my own daughter doing this and after school, it would really help us to reconnect. And also she went through a phase of, you know, playing this game where she was in charge and she was running the school and there was all these rules and I had to obey and me and her teddies were sitting there in the classroom and she had her clipboard and she was telling us all what to do. So she was acting out, you know, she was showing me that it was hard for her in school when the teacher had all these rules and she was the one um, who had to do what she was told and that was very challenging for her. So she was able to process that through play. She was showing me what was going on. And it's not always as obvious as that and it doesn't matter. All you need to do is just make that space 
for them through special time and they can bring to it whatever they need to. It might just be connection. It might be physical play. They might work on something specifically around you know this power reversal thing. But, you know, you, all you need to do, you don't need to analyze it too much. But if you can actually create this lovely special time space, then they can really use that your attention and your um this container that you create for them to bring whatever it is that they need to bring because that's how children process it's not through much so much through language it's through play so that's a really lovely way that you can connect with them after school and even doing five minutes of special time um even in the schoolyard before you if the walk home is really hard i used to do this with my daughter that we would do a few minutes special time this is when she was quite young in the playground um we would have a game of chase before we left for home. And that made all the difference sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the walk home would still be difficult, but sometimes that was enough just to get her back on track and get her feeling safe and connected to me again. And we could get home much more easily without a tantrum halfway up down the road. Okay, so something else I just wanted to talk about was homework, that that can be a huge source of uh, tension and frustration and conflict. So I think that if you bring in, if you really, um put a focus on connection and put a focus on listening to any feelings put a put a focus on play put a focus on allowing your child to rest and get their physical needs met as well before you even think about homework and uh, often when they are feeling back on track again then homework can be much much easier um and i've done a whole podcast episode actually if you look back um i've done a podcast episode all about um helping children who are reluctant to do homework so there's lots of playful things you can do there's lots of connecting things you can do to help homework go well so um and also just to say it, there is the option just not to do homework if your child's in, in primary school you could have a chat to the teacher if it's really really difficult and it's causing a lot of conflict um uh, you could talk to the teacher and say, look, we're not going to do it at the moment because we're just dealing with the emotions first. And um, hopefully that will make things a little bit easier for you. I want to say it is so tough dealing with this emotional fallout every day after school. And it's just a reminder at this stage that we weren't meant to parent like this. It isn't how we evolved to, you know, send our kids off to school like this and then them coming back and needing so much emotional input and you being there on your own with them. That's not, it's not how we are meant to live. And that's why it feels so hard. And I'm not saying we should go back and, and go back to the way things were many thousands of years ago, but I think that we can take some of the principles that it is much easier to be in community and to have other parents, other adults to support us, to have other children, as company for our kids, that makes things a whole lot easier. So doing things like organizing play dates after school um, or going to the park where other parents, other children are, that can make things a lot easier rather than you trying to hold all of this yourself. Um, and of course, because we're parenting in this way that th these small family units that is so unnatural and we don't have that wider village often, it is so important that you find ways to build more support into your week. Um, to get enough support for yourself, to get enough rest, but to get enough emotional support as well so you can offload how you're feeling about it. Um, so it's so important whether that's talking to your partner, talking to a friend, using a listening partnership so that you can really um, 
take care of your own feelings around this. And the more you can take care of your own feelings, the more you can show up and actually connect and be present with your child and support them with their feelings. You can't help them take care of their own feelings when your feelings are all sitting there and nobody's taking care of those. So I think it's really leading by example in, in this case. You take care of your feelings first and then you can support your child to take care of theirs. That's so important. Um, and also just not to take it personally and not to not to blame yourself for the difficulties that you're having. And I think that's why it's always good. I always like to zoom out and see this big picture that it's not your it's not your fault that things are so hard. It's not your fault that you don't have a community around you, that you don't have anywhere near enough support. It's not your fault that school is the way it is and isn't meeting the needs of your child. Um, so just go really easy on yourself. That's all from me for today. It's so good to be back talking to you. As always, get in touch. Let me know what you think. Uh, and also, if you have a moment, if, you, if you're delighted the podcast is back, I would really appreciate your support. And you can do that in a couple of ways. One way you can do that is by sharing this episode or one of the other episodes that you've enjoyed with a friend or a few friends. Uh, and another way you can really support me is by leaving a review on uh, on iTunes or if you're an Apple user or um, in Spotify, you can rate and review and subscribe to my podcast as well. That will really help more people to see it. So thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week.